Okay. It's very quiet in here. Do yeah. we need to be quiet? I think this is the quietest room of 30 people I've ever been in. <laughs> Why are they all so quiet? Because they're concentrating on playing. Mm-hmm. Um, a- Adam. Yeah. I-, I think we should. Can you introduce the show? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hello, and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. It's Friday, December 11th. I'm Adam Davidson, and we're whispering because we're in a very quiet chess store in the village. Yes, this is uh, the first of a couple stops that we're going to make in New York City today, and all of these stops have one thing in common. And it'll all make sense in just a second, but first, yes, we're here in the village chess store, and there are shelves of antique handmade Italian sets and there's a beautiful 19th century Chinese set. And then there are a bunch of guys squished in here and these little tables facing off over much more basic chess boards. Um, here's the owner, Lawrence Nash. It's like this all the time and we stay open till after midnight. Nathan will be here probably until 2 o'clock tonight. And then I'll have to convince everyone to leave. So, yeah, it's quite a They'd scene. They'd be here till dawn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One more game, one more game. And what do you, how do you make money? What do you sell? We don't... Who said we made money? <laughs> we don't make any money here. We, uh, we charge for a play, and we sell chess sets. Lawrence's store is, of course, a very specialty kind of store, but it is not one of a kind. And, and that brings us, Hannah, to our indicator... The indicator is the number two. Two. That is how many chess stores are located on this one single, very short block in the village. And that brings us to the question we're wrestling with on today's show. Why does this happen? Why is it so often that you see stores that sell the same thing all clumped together? Right. In in Seattle, down the street from my office, there were eight shoe stores on the same block. They weren't even like, not not two or three blocks apart, all lined up. Um, In Philly, where I grew up, there was Jewelers Row. And I've seen this phenomenon all over the world. You just see all these shops selling exactly the same thing. I think in the Middle East, the bazaars are really striking. You see like 30 guys selling spices, all the same spices, all lined up. Then 50 guys selling, you know, textiles, all the same textiles, all lined up. And you see this all over New York in all sorts of different uh, types of stores. And you would think, like, let's say you were like, hey, I'm going to open a shop. You know, Village Chess Shop, sure, they have some business. I'm going to open my own specialty chess shop. Wouldn't you want to be as far away from Lawrence's shop as possible? But, of course, Hannah, that is not how it worked out. No, that is not how it happened. In fact, a competitor came and set up a shop right across the street. Oh, Hannah, it's so much worse than that. The competitor was Lawrence's own protege, a man Lawrence trained in the specialty chess shop business, took all that learning, went right across the street, and opened a competing chess store. There were some bad feelings, but it's just so long ago. Yeah, there was, if somebody you teach then leaves and opens up across the street, there's going to be bad feelings for sure. All right. You, you might not be able to tell it from that tape, but Lawrence is being very diplomatic about this defection, this betrayal. John Zachary, across the street at the chess forum, the competing chess shop, he's more direct when you ask him about it. It was war. There's numerous, numerous publications detailing the entire saga. <laughs> like, if you, you know, just long, epic saga. For years, the Chess Forum stole business from Village Chess. And Lawrence and his aunt and uncle who started the business, they were bitter because the only reason anyone ever found Chess Forum was thanks to them. So this war continued and both sides worried about what the other one was doing. 
But then something strange started to happen. It started when the chess forum took out an ad in a newspaper, and then another ad in an important chess publication, and people started showing up in Lawrence's store in the village chess shop saying things like, You know, I, I saw your, you know, your, your ad, or I saw their ad, and then I saw you, and that kind of thing. That's a, that's a great feeling. And I'm sure he had plenty of that, because starting out, he had the people immediately coming to his place that he didn't have to advertise for. So, you know... He had your people coming to him. Our people. So in the immediate, it's much harder. But in the long run, it evens out and it's all good. The competition was very good for business. Thompson Street in the Village was becoming known as the chess district. It was so good for business, it was almost as good as Bobby Fischer winning the U.S. (laughs) champion. No, nothing in the chess world is as good as Bobby Fischer. All right, maybe not that good, but the Chess Forum was helping Village Chess. Village Chess was helping the Chess Forum. It was not stabbing in the back. It was not betrayal. It's what someone once told me is called co-opetition. So they were giving the area a name by having two stores there and drawing people in. Now, would Lawrence at Village Chess be heartbroken if the chess forum closed up shop tomorrow? No, it would not bother me at all. But for the most part, it's strangely been a really good thing. Okay, Adam, next stop. All right, maybe these chess guys are just some weird anomaly. Let's go up about 25 blocks north to 28th Street. There's a forest there between 6th and 7th Avenue. A forest with a McDonald's in the middle of it. Right. Aside from the McDonald's, pretty much everything on this block is plant-related. Well, we are in a flower and plant district. The sidewalks are full of trees and plants. It is so pretty, and, and each store is trying to grab your attention and get you into their plant store and not one of the competing plant stores. And this guy, his name is Chad Markovich. He's at Noble Planta. And unlike Lawrence at Village Chess, Chad set up here because there was competition. When I started this business, it was already like known as a, pl- a flower and plant district. And then idea was to be where the demand is, which is here. Chad did the calculation Lawrence had to learn the hard way. He thought, you know, I could set up my plant store in some strip mall in Queens, and I could be the only plant store for 10 square miles and own the place. And I could probably charge a lot more per plant because people won't have any other options. Or I could put myself right next to 30 other plant stores, and I'll have to bring my prices down, but I will get 30 times as many customers. Tourist buses around, they go through to see the flower and plant district, you know. It's already the word out, well-established market has been even before me, probably 40, 50 years is here. You know, Hannah, I know a district to beat all districts. It's the most famous district in New York, the Diamond District, 47th Street. All right, last stop is also the craziest, the Diamond District. We buy, we buy, we buy, second floor, 41 West. We buy, we buy, we buy. What do you buy? We buy gold, gold, diamond, watches, coins, crap. There are 2,600 jewelry and jewelry-related shops on this one little block. They're mostly in these little booths and these little diamond malls. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Even before you go in, there's all these people on the street corner trying to get you to go to their booth and not one of their competitors' booths. Good deal, good deal, good deal. No money, no honey. No money, no honey. We buy, we buy, we buy. So, Adam, we walk in, and the first guy we see is Peter Kahn, and I am actually immediately... So overwhelmed by how many possible people that we could interview in this one place, I just go right to him. He's the first guy we see. And we ask him the same question we ask 
everyone else. Why are you here? I see this diamond earring is $3,400. Right. Where do you live? New Jersey. New Jersey. So a strip mall in New Jersey. They exist, believe it or not. Yes. What could you sell that for? Four grand, five grand? The 3400 you see there doesn't sell for 3400 It sells for $2,000. If it was the same quality, made exactly the same in a retail store, without all the 50% off sales, it would sell for almost double. So you could make twice as much money selling that right. in New sell Jersey? Half as much. You'd sell half as much? Right. Yeah, there's more volume here. Okay, because people know they can come in here and they can walk in the entire street and they're bound to find what they want. So these stores that clump together, they all make the same calculation as the plant people did and the chess shops did. Yes, you've got a lot of competition and that does drive prices down, maybe even half as much as they would be if you were all on your own. But being all clumped together, you'll get way more eyeballs, way more traffic, and that makes up for it. Extra traffic outweighs extra competition. So the clumping is basically because of that general rule. But then on top of that, each industry has its own special reasons for wanting to clump. Like in the plant district, tourists happen by the plant district, but also plant wholesalers only go there. They don't mess around with one neighborhood shop in Queens. So if you want to reach the wholesale market and get the tourists at the same time, you need to be in the plant district. So diamond sellers follow the same rule. They want the extra traffic that being part of a large diamond district brings. And they also want access to the wholesale diamond market, which is, of course, centered in the diamond district. But Peter Kahn told us there's something else, and not just him. Pretty much, I think every single diamond seller we talked to said the same exact thing. I, I want to be here because it's safer. If I had my own shop out in a strip mall in New Jersey, I'm going to get held up. And everyone I know who's out there does get held up. Being alone is too scary. And strangely, when you're surrounded by stores that are all, you know, pretty much exactly the same as you, you actually have to try especially hard to be more different. Right. Next door, a couple booths down from Peter was this Ecuadorian woman who says her specialty is serving the Ecuadorian community. Peter told us that his specialty is long-term trusting relationships with a small but elite clientele. And then there's this other guy, the seller, Arto Kant, and he's working with this customer. It's a little bit harder to figure out what his specialty is because it is certainly not customer service. Or humility. I have a ring that I'm fixing. And he wants to charge 500 I want to do it for 300 He wants to be the Chinatown price. You got to pay Tiffany. <laughs> you have um, yeah, like yes. 500 other options. Why don't you go to someone else? I, I think I'm going to have to do that. So somebody buying the stuff in Tiffany, they will go buy the pieces in Chinatown? You're the only one who's Tiffany on 47th Street? I'm a number one guy over here, my friend, on 47th Street. Well, you're one of like 2,000 guys here. Maybe 2 million. Doesn't matter. I like his work. That's about it. I like his work. Sometimes his attitude is a little off, but I like his work. So Arto's specialty is being number one. Can you believe, Hannah, that we just happened upon the number one jewelry guy? <laughs> he he yeah. is certainly not the only guy there who told us that he's number one. So, you know, I was thinking that there's something cool about seeing this kind of small retail level of clumping but realizing that the same basic decisions that Ardo or Peter Kahn or the flower and plant store guy or the chess store guys are making, that same economic decision also applies to the largest 
corporations in America. I mean, look at Silicon Valley where you have basically all the big high tech or most of the big high tech uh, companies all in the same area. New York Wall Street is similar and it's actually the same idea. Their customers are there. They want to be within walking distance or driving distance of their customers. All the talent is there. It makes sense even in this high tech internet age to be physically near people who are your competitors. You can actually do better when you're close to your competitors. You know, on the other hand, though, there are stores that if they're clustered together, it would be a really bad move for them, like laundry stores or grocery stores, stuff in your neighborhood, like the gym, where proximity wins. It's more important to be close to people in their homes than to be in a district. All right, Hannah, I think that's going to do it for us here today on Planet Money on our blog, npr.org slash money. We have some really great pictures of the stores we visited. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Thanks for listening. Yeah, la 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 la